Thanks, Costa. Uh, Costa shared actually la um, last week was the one-year anniversary from arriving into the UK, but also sadly from fleeing uh, the conflict in Ukraine as well. So we're grateful that, we, that the, uh, them and uh, Dima and the families are with us, but also we continue to pray to me for the, the conflict and the situations uh, in the world today. Uh, just let me start with a question. Have you ever tried to run away or run away from a, co a situation or, or maybe a house or an individual? I can remember when I was eight years old, uh, we lived in a culdy sack in Maestig and um, Yayand actually is kind of going through the stage right now. But, oh, my parents are giving me a tough time. Oh, this house is doing my head in. All right, I'm just going to run away. And I can remember saying that, and my parents just said, all right, then go for it. <laughs> and I can remember, like, packing a little bag, and I can't remember, I think I put, like, a toothbrush in there or maybe a, a toy or something. And I, I walked to the top of our street thinking, this is it, I'm off, I'm, I'm going to do it. But at the top of our street, street lived this really scary guy called Jackie Wolford, and uh, he, long story short, one of his arms was cut off, and so you had a fork there, and he used to chase us. So um, I got to there, I saw his house, I saw his door open, and I just ran back home. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that kind of comes to my, my mind, but that's just a funny story from a safe place of being brought up in a really good, how, uh, safe, loving household. But sadly, even for some of us today, some people have had to run away from their countries uh, due to war. Some have, and in the room now, some people have had to run away from maybe persecution in their countries. Some people today in the UK and all around the world have to run away from abusive relationships in their families. And some sadly run away in selfish manners, uh, off with someone else. Uh, but also, have you ever run away from God? Have you ever run away from God, or maybe you're in a state right now where you are physically here, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, financially, you're like distant from God. So it's almost like you're waiting for like two minutes to kind of, for me to keep on talking, and you just zone out because you just feel like a million miles away from God. Or maybe we have close loved ones who maybe used to be in the room with us today, but now. They've maybe run away from God or, or in a different place, with or without knowing it. And today we look at a guy called Jonah in the Bible. Even if you're not a Christian, if you're not brought up in church, you might have heard of it, this guy Jonah with the whale. And we nearly call today today's talk running from Nineveh, this place which we heard about last week. But if we had called it running from Nineveh, it would have been incorrect. It would have been untrue because Jonah wasn't running from a place or a people Jonah was running from God like he wasn't running from a place or he was running away from God but we will discover as we go through today in God's amazing mercy God then ran after Jonah so even though Jonah ran after God God ran after Jonah so if you have your Bibles and you want to open them then it's going to be in Jonah chapter 1 but I'm going to go through, the verses will be on screen as well, if you don't have them. Uh, but we're going to dive straight into Jonah chapter 1. And just to share for Alan, to be fair, 
I only gave him two verses last week, uh, but I've got a bit more. But just to go over how the story starts in the book of Jonah, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to be just going up to verse 10. But Alan spoke on this last week, and it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it or like we heard last night, uh, last week, or call out against it, announce my judgment against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And if you weren't here last week, then, then catch up online. Uh, but Alan spoke on this uh, last week. But then verse 3, so that was, the tra- that was the challenge, that was how it started, that's how we know about God and, and, and Jonah and what he was asked to do. But then verse 3 is the reaction And it says this, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he had found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So it says Jonah ran away from the Lord. He went to flee away from the Lord. And if you look down in verse 10, it says they, were no, they, they knew they, he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. See, if God asks us as individuals to go to a specific place or to go to a specific person, sometimes it's quite generic. Like we're called to love others, love our neighbors, love our enemies. But sometimes God might prompt you to go to a certain place or to go to a certain people. And to do something, to say something, to act something, to do something specific for him. But, but when he asks us to do that and we don't do it, we might think, well, actually, we're just not going to that place. Or we're not going to that person. But actually, we're not going to God. We might think of a place or a person, but we're not actually going to God. Because that's where he is and where he wants us to be and use us and to meet us in that place for that person or that place. And Jonah, Jonah ran away because he wanted God's judgment to Nineveh. Like we heard last week, Jonah hated Nineveh. Like he hated the Assyrian people who were conquering people, uh, a brutal people. So he, he ran away because he loved the idea of judgment going to Nineveh. Like he just wanted to watch the 10 o'clock news and see it all kick off. In Nineveh, like Jonah went, wanted judgment to go to Nineveh. Almost like in a modern day example, which is hard, almost like a, a mod, like a, a pastor in Ukraine now getting a word from the Lord to go and speak to Putin. You'd think, you'd be think, nah, I just want to see it destroyed. I want to see him come undone. I want to see that nation wiped off. Like, actually, I'll just keep this a secret to myself, and I want to see that happen. But for us, it could be the opposite, in the sense of we may struggle with this because for most of us, maybe in this room, we may not have enemies. We may not be able to relate to that unbelievable amount of hatred of someone who has hurt us so badly. Also, we may not have enemies or real hatred, but for us, it's almost the opposite of we might struggle with talking judgment to people because we like them, because they're our friends, because they're our family. So rather than hating them and wanting to see judgment on them, 
actually we don't want to see judgment on them, but because they're our friends or because they're our neighbors and because we like them, we might struggle to share that out with them. Like, how would you feel if God prompted you to tell your friends or neighbor or work colleague like that they will be judged? Like, actually, like, like God is going to judge them. How would you feel if God prompted in your heart um, to, to say to someone, look, God sees your actions or your hearts or your thoughts like as wicked. Like, that's what, that's what God sees. Like, he loves you. And he sees some good in you, but actually he sees some wickedness in you or independence from you. Like, how would we feel? Like, we might struggle to kind of share it like God loves you, but how would we feel right now if God prompts you to go and say to him, look, judgment is coming to you. Like, God is going to judge you. I think we'd probably, in our UK culture, we'd all probably feel uncomfortable with that, wouldn't we? We'd, be, we'd maybe feel, oh, I don't want to do that. That's a bit too far for me. But as we go through the book of Jonah, we will read an amazing revival of 120,000 people believing and repenting in the Lord, in Yahweh, uh, this Lord, our God. But guess what? In this small book of the Bible, which, is, which shares an amazing story of revival, in the whole book of Jonah, there's one word that you won't see, and it's the word love. The word love is not in the book of Jonah, and yet there's an amazing revival that happens in this book. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Amen? But did anyone notice some words I missed out then? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him will have eternal life. But the words I miss out there is, will not perish. Will not perish. And if we're honest, we don't really like that bit. We don't want people to know that bit. We just want them to accept the love like we did. But the will not perish part is important. The full gospel is telling and showing people love but also telling and showing people about judgment and perishing. We need to talk about sin, judgment, and hell just as much as we need to talk about love, kindness, and grace. Otherwise, it's not the full gospel. Yesterday, we, we, we sang, didn't we, and we prayed, God save our king. So what are we asking God to save him from? Are we just saying prolong his life? Is that all we're asking? Or, for me, I'm genuinely asking God, God brings salvation to our king. Isn't it? That's what we're saying. God brings salvation to our king. Not just this eternal prolong his life like his mother, but brings salvation to our king. So we need love, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, because this is true, but have eternal life. Verse 4 goes on to say this. It says, so Jonah did a runner, and he was in a boat, and then verse 4 says, then the Lord, so this was the Lord, let's, let's not get it wrong, the Lord sent a great wind 
on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. The beliefs there would have been many different gods of the sea, of the land, of the sun, of the stones. So these guys believed in many different gods. They cried out to many different gods, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I don't know about you, but when I think of the, the story of Jonah and the word mercy, um, we can think of the part when Nineveh turned to God, don't we? It's almost like that's the mercy bit. Like out of the five chapters, like that's the mercy bit. And although that is an amazing part, and we'll get to that soon, this whole story is about God's mercy. The whole story, you see God's mercy in all of it. Look at verse 1. The Lord came to Jonah. And God came to us in Jesus. The amazing mercy that God would come to us and would speak to us and want us to know him, like, like Jonah. That's the mercy, isn't it? The mercy of God. Verse 2, he says, go, and pre- go to the city and preach against it. Like the mercy of him being invited and being called. And what are we called to do? Go and make disciples. The mercy of God seeing us and wanting to use us. Even though God doesn't need us, he wants us. In his mercy, he used people to call me and you. And now in his mercy, he allows us to be part of his family and to to share the good news to others. Verse 3, we hear about Jonah running. Like how many times have we run away from God? It's not just the second chance, is it? Like how many times have we, we ran away from God? How many times have we been the prodigal son? How many times... Have we run away and made stupid decisions and stupid mistakes? And yet God continues to run after us in his mercy. And then we come to verse 4 and we think, all right then, verse 4 is his judgment. It's all over, like he's had enough now. God is angry with Jonah. He hates Jonah. Now he's going to kill Jonah. Like that's it, because he sent a great wind and a violent storm. Yet may I say the great wind and the violent storm is sent in the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God because we know that's not the end of the story. If it, say, if it says God sent the wind and the, ra- the rain and Jonah died, it's the end of the story. <laughs> we know that, don't we? But the story continues. He sent the wind and the storm in his mercy because he was pursuing Jonah. Like, let's not, let's not get it wrong. God doesn't need Jonah. Like, he doesn't need Jonah. He doesn't need a book in his Bible called Jonah, does he? Like, he doesn't, he hasn't needed, like, it was great to hear Jason's heart teaching children. God doesn't need teachers to be have to, been to, teaching children for the last 2,000 years about a guy called Jonah and the whale. Like, he doesn't need that. He didn't need to include it. He could have used someone else. He could have said, Jonah ran off and God used someone else. Like, that could have been it. And then we could have never heard the name of Jonah. And something I learned when I, uh, about three months after becoming a Christian, um, that still sticks with me now, and so I want to share it with you because it still helps me and humbles me. Is this like 
God doesn't need you. Like, he doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. He wants you. Like, God doesn't need you. He wants you. He doesn't need you to be here right now. Like, he wants you. He doesn't need you to sing his praises. Like, he wants you. God doesn't need you to be part of his family. Like, he wants you. Like, he wants you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much Jesus loves you. Like, he didn't need, he doesn't need your name in the book of life. Like, he wants you. And he pursues you. And God runs after you. And if we think, like, if you think you've gone too far, if you think you're a million miles away from God, if you think, like, you've done everything away from God and, like, you've gone too far, let me just say, like, you can't unrun, outrun God. Like, you can't go too far. Like, you can't, because if you're going to try and go too far, Psalm 139 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. But even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is light to you. So if you're in a bad place right now. If you're in a distant place. If you're in a far place. If you think you're in Tarshish right now. The mercy of God is it doesn't take too long to come back to the narrow path. It doesn't take too long to come back to the narrow path because God, even if you're over there, like he's there as well. His love is from the west to the east. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And verse 5 continues, it says, But Jonah had, had gone below deck, so there was a massive storm, and, and these fishermen, they thought, this is it, we're going to die. But verse 5, But Jonah had gone below deck, where he had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, like, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe, maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And interesting, the word perish is there. Like, this part is crazy for me. Like, Jonah is sleeping. <laughs> like, these guys are fishermen. They, this is their job. They know these seas. They know this situation. So they know this is serious, like they're going to die. They haven't seen anything about this. They called on the gods, the different gods, like this is it. They're going to die. And Jonah is sleeping. Like, How can Jonah be sleeping? And in the, in the Gospels, there's a story of Jesus and his disciples. And again, a few of these like, were fishermen. They knew the sea. They knew the boat. They knew the weather. And they were in a storm. A storm came. And it was a bad one. Like they thought, like, this is it. Like, we're going to die. Like, we're going to capsize. Like, this is it. We are going to die. And so the only benefit is, like, we better just go and tell Jesus. Jesus, like, we're going to die. Like, we've been here before. This is a bad one. And Jesus is sleeping. He's sleeping in the storm, in the boat. 
And, and Jesus is almost like annoyed at him, like, why have you woke me up? <laughs> like, why have you woke me up from this? Like, and they, are we gonna, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus like, almost gets up. Like, if I, if I woke up, I'd be a bit angry probably, like the boys have woke me up early. But if you, Jesus woke, wakes up, and there's a storm and wind coming, and he just goes like this. Like, that's what he says. Like, sometimes I go like that to my boys and they don't listen to me. Jesus said that, and the wind and the waves stop. And then it says the disciples are terrified because, like, who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this in our boat? And he doesn't say this, but I can imagine Jesus just went back to sleep. Just like, don't wake me up for another thing like that again. Like, let me sleep. But Jonah, it says here, Jonah was sleeping. But Jonah was not sleeping because he was the son of God, because he wasn't. Jonah wasn't sleeping because he knew he was in control, because he wasn't. Jonah wasn't sleeping because he could stop the wind and the waves, because he couldn't. Like, I think Jonah was sleeping because he was in massive denial like running away from God, almost like, it doesn't say like he was drunk or drunk alcohol, but almost like he was like spiritually drunk or dying to the place where he tried to avoid everything just to like kind of take the noise off, to put his hands and to crawl up into a little ball and to avoid everything. Like Jonah was massive denial, he ran away from God, just trying to like escape things, almost spiritually drunk or spiritually dead. And sadly, we all know people, all of us, I'm sure, in the room today, we all know people who have loved Jesus, followed Jesus, maybe even got baptized, maybe possibly in our family. And in my experience, uh, when, when people who know the truth like this uh, are then like try to run away or try to say it's all rubbish, it's not real, or maybe they, they still see it as true, but I can't live like that anymore or they go off in a different way. From my experience, they almost have to go in the total opposite to survive. They almost have to try to get to Tarshish, and they need the wind and the storms to like, keep the noise. They can't, have, they can't handle the quiet. They can't handle like, the stillness. They need the wind and the storms and the noise just to survive. So they want to avoid any talk of Jesus. They want to avoid any talk of church. They want to avoid any Christians, any like scripture, any songs. They want to avoid just because they, they, need, they need the noise to kind of run away from, to go away from. They need to run away. And if someone comes to your mind who's in that place right now, who's run away, may I encourage you to do two prayers. And these are hard prayers. And you might not agree with this, but in my experience... They're hard prayers to pray. And I even prayed this for my, as I was doing this, overlooking the essay, I was praying for my cousin on this, who had a very similar story to me and dramatically changed, but after a few years, is, is run away from God. But two prayers I would encourage you to do. And they're hard, probably, prayers because the person who comes to your mind you really love and you want them to do well and you want them to fo follow Jesus. These two prayers that I would say to do.
first pray that God will mess up their lives. Like he'll mess up their lives with wind and waves. Like he'll send wind and waves in their lives. Personally, I would encourage you not to pray for blessings. Only because if someone is being blessed and they're running away from God, like they will stay there. Like they'll stay there. They'll stay in that they'll stay out there in their in their job and their relationships and their health. They'll stay there. For me, I, I'm praying for my cousin. I'm praying that God will mess up his life. That he'll send wind and waves. That's what I'm praying. Because otherwise he's going to stay there. So I'm praying that God will send wind and waves in their lives. And the things that they're involved in, that God will send wind and waves. And then second prayer, pray that, God, that someone they know, and sadly it's probably not going to be you, because from my experience, they try to avoid conversations or, or they, they try to not listen to their own family. But pray, so pray that someone will be in their life and will wake them up from their spiritual slumber. Like, what are you doing? Like, wake up. Like, get a grip. Like, you are going to... You, like, you're going to lose it all. Like, you are going to lose it all. Like, you know better. You, you were taught better. You were brought up better. You know the truth. Like, wake up. Wake up. Otherwise, not just this temporary, but your eternity is going to be lost. Like, wake up. You're not just affecting your, your, your own life. Right? You're affecting all this. Wake up. So even though those are two hard prayers to pray for, that's what I would say. Pray that God will send wind and waves in his mercy. Remember, it's his mercy. Pray that God will send wind and waves and pray that someone will wake them up. Like, get up. Like, don't you care that you're going to die? Don't you care that this is going to be all like, wake up and come back. And, and because I don't know about you, but the prodigal son... And myself, when I was 18, the prodigal son story, he had to be done with the pigs, didn't he, before he came back. And for my life when I was 18, I had to be with the pigs before I called out to God. Like, literally, I had to lose my confidence, my, my friends, any, anything. I had to lose everything and to be bound with the pigs. And yet, when I was with the pigs and I smelled and I had nothing to offer to God... I walked over the hill. I was like, I've got nothing else to do. I've got nothing else to give. Maybe now it's time I'll come to Jesus. I walked over the hill, and what did I see? The Father run to me. Like he ran to me. Even though I had nothing, nothing to offer him. I was with the pigs, and yet he ran for me. And so we don't, see what, we don't want to see our loved ones in the, in the pigs, do we? We don't want that. But for some of us, for most of us, we need to experience that to come back to Jesus. And then finishing up, verse, verse 7, it says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Casting lots was quite common. It could have been picking sticks, the longest stick, rolling some kind of dice or flipping a coin. Uh, who is responsible for this? And then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Like the Bible doesn't... Uh, can encourage this, especially now in the New Testament with the, the, the full scripture and the Holy Spirit and for wisdom. But God used these casting lots to show 
actually that it was Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? Like, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And verse 10 talks about they were terrified and asked him, like, what have you done? Look at all these questions they asked when they found out it's Jonah. It says, who's responsible? Like, what's your job? Where are you from? Like, what's your nationality? What people are you from? What have you done? All these questions. But look how Jonah answers in verse 9. It's inter- interesting that Jonah didn't answer any of those questions in that sense. But he answered about who he was. Who am I? Verse 9, he says, I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry ground. And it says, and they were terrified. Like, what have you done? What have you done? And it's almost, but there's a little bit of hope in verse 9. Like, is he waking up? Is Jonah waking up? Is he remembering who he is? There's still a bit to go, as we'll find out in the story. But if you're kind of in a distant place right now, like, who are you? Like, what's your identity in? Like, if you ask who are you, is your identity in your work or in your family or in your status? Like, who are we? Like, who, who, what's our identity in? Who am I today? Who am I in Christ? These are some verses before I end to say, like, who we are or who we can be in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. First Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Think about a king. Look at that for our, for our King Jesus. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And John 1.12 But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We need to continue or maybe start or include. We need to tell people not just about God's love and his kindness, but also about judgment and wickedness and sin. That is the full gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish. We can't not include that. Will not perish, but have eternal life. God pursues us in his mercy. Like he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He wants you. He wants us. If you're not a Christian here today and you might think, I don't need God. Like I don't need to believe this stuff. I'm fine without it. Let me tell you, like he doesn't need you. He doesn't need to give you life. He doesn't need to keep your heart beating right now. He wants to because he loves you and because you're experiencing his mercy. And wind and, wind and waves, even though they're hard prayers to pray, they're prayers that I pray for people that I know who have run away from God, that God would send them wind and waves and that he will send someone to wake them up 
from this spiritual slumber. The guys are going to lead us in a final song, but the final question there was, who am I? And this is a verse, this is a lovely song. It's an old song, but um, I found this video this week. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? And it's all about Jesus. It's all about King Jesus. And yet, King Jesus pursues us because of his love. Listen to these words and let him sing over you before the guys come in and, and do the final song.